This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Good to have you with us. And it's good to be here. And once again, to look at the Parsha, to look at the Shabbos, to look at the special energy that is being given to us over the next, well, so many hours. A um, Shabbos that is unique, a Shabbos that is special, that we'll talk about soon. And perhaps an understanding of what, in fact, is taking place as a result of the fact that this Shabbos is special and this Shabbos is the beginning, the start of a new book in Torah. And every time we start a new book in Torah, this one being Devarim, Deuteronomy, it's a time of great excitement because with something new comes excitement. But at the same time, there is always the awareness that somehow the newness, the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy is in a sense altogether different than the other four books of the Torah. The book, of course, has five books, and each one has its own character and its own particular type of style. When it comes to the book of Deuteronomy, it's altogether different because, as our sages tell us, it is the words of Moshe, the voice of God, the words of Moshe. Whereas the first four books were verbatim, God said, and Moshe recorded. But this time round, it is something extraordinary, and we'll talk about that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about Devorah, we're talking about Deuteronomy, we're talking about the fifth of the five books of the Torah, and what makes the fifth book, the book of Deuteronomy, special. And we are told that they are the words of Moshe himself. The other four books were verbatim. God dictated and Moshe recorded exactly as God said. Whereas when it comes to the book of Devorah, it takes on a bit of a different personality. They are the voices of God, the ideas of God, but in a sense, in the language of Moshe. And we have to understand what is that all about? Isn't that some sort of descent within Torah? And within Torah, we know that as we progress, as we go forward, it is always to a higher level. And therefore, we have to understand what, in fact, is the higher level of the book of Devorim when we see that it's not the words of God, but the words of Moshe. It is, in a sense, or the voice of Moshe, the language of Moshe. What is that all about? And how does that connect with this special Shabbos? The special Shabbos, of course, is Shabbos Chazon. Shabbos Chazon is the Shabbos of the vision. As uh, the Torah tells us, Isaiah tells us, that there would become a time that the Jewish people, unfortunately, would be in a situation of great difficulty. At the time of Yeshayahu, the Jewish people lived in comfort, and uh, they were in a powerful state. And he lived a few hundred years before the destruction, but nonetheless, he admonishes the people, he warns the people. He says, look into the future and you will see something that is troubling. You will see a situation of exile and destruction. And here he is talking to the Jewish people who are living in a state of comfort, in a state of power, and in a sense warning them about something that's going to happen hundreds of years hence. And we have to understand why does he say that? And this becomes the Haftarah of Shabbos Chazon, the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av, the saddest day of the Jewish calendar, the day that we unfortunately commemorate the destruction of not one, but two, both 
Batei Mikdash, the holy temples, and the exile of the people twice, once with the Babylonians and the second time with the Romans. And we have to understand what is the relationship between all of that? What is the vision that Yeshayahu saw? What is the vision that he warns us about? What does he see? And of course, he tells us in simple language what he sees is a situation where the Jewish people are no longer deserving of the Holy Land. The Jewish people are behaving in a way that will ultimately lead to its destruction. This is what Yeshayahu was telling us. And while, of course, Yeshayahu is basically a prophet of redemption, a prophet of hope, it is his duty as a prophet to transmit, to convey to the Jewish people what, in fact, God's feelings are. And God's feeling is that he is no longer satisfied with the behavior of the Jewish people. They have become far too comfortable. They've taken their material wealth and allowed that to become the single most important aspect of their lives. Their spiritual activity is by rote. It's something which simply happens because it happens. There is no excitement. There is no passion. There is no feeling for the observances of the great mitzvahs and of course the sacrifices the offerings in the temple have also become something that simply reflect in a sense the grossness of the people rather than the religiosity the holiness of the people and Yeshayahu is extremely concerned that this type of behavior will ultimately result as it did tragically but will ultimately result in absolute destruction and this is why on the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av, when we unfortunately have to remember those times, those moments of great destruction, we listen carefully to the words of Yeshayahu. At the same time, the great Hasidic sage, Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Abarditchev, teaches us that on Shabbos Chazon, each and every single Jew is shown a vision an image of the third, by Tamikdash, the third temple that will come together with Mashiach. And we have to think about what, in fact, this relationship can possibly be. On the one hand, Shabbos Chazon talks to us about sadness, destruction, despair, pain, suffering, exile. And at the same time, Rabbi Levi Yitzhak talks to us about the vision of the Third Temple. How can we reconcile these two extremely opposite visions? One, of course, being of the destruction of the Temple, and the other being the rebuilding of the Temple. And one would think that we should wait until next week, Shabbos Nachamu, when we are consoled, and we usher in the seven weeks of consolation. That's when we talk about being given a view, a vision, of the third temple. Why do we talk about it on Shabbos Chazon when in fact the emphasis are the words of Yeshayahu, the words of Isaiah, where he talks to us about the impending destruction of the temple. And yet at the same time, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak was not a naive person. He was a person who understood very, very well what in fact is demanded from us. He was known as the great defender of the Jewish people. Whenever he saw an individual transgressing as a result of ignorance or perhaps for other motivations, other reasons, he would forever defend the people. And while, of course, this showed his incredible love, his intense love for each and every single person, nonetheless, he was an individual who understood full well what the ramifications of Shabbos Chazon are all about. And yet in his great vision, in his great spiritual Awareness, what does he tell us? He talks to us about the vision of the third temple, and we have to think about what, in fact, that relationship is. And as we come back to the Parsha itself, why does all of this happen when we start the book of Devorim? Because, of course, Devorim is always read on Shabbos Chazon. It's always read 
on the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av, and therefore, obviously, there has to be some sort of relationship between this particular parsha, this particular book, the opening of this parsha, the opening of the book, with the story of Tisha B'Av, with Shabbos Chazan. What is that relationship? And as I said before, they are the words of Moshe. And in a sense, what Moshe is doing he is bearing his soul to us. He is telling us, he is going to tell us in this parsha and in the ensuing parshas about what happened. He's going to review the history of the Jewish people since uh, the time of liberation in Egypt through the wandering in the uh, wilderness until the moment that they stand ready to enter the promised land. He's going to review the history of the Jewish people, but he is not simply going to review the history and many of its laws. He's also going to tell it to us in a language perhaps that is easier for us to understand. The divine language is something which is so far beyond us. The divine language is something which basically is the infinite word of God. And what Moshe is going to talk to us, he's going to tell us how to understand the history from a different perspective altogether. And he is going to tell us how he saw it. And the way he saw it is our leader, is an indication of how we should see it. What Moshe is telling us is not only opening his heart and soul to us and saying, this is what I felt, and these are the experiences that I've gone through, and this is how I reacted in the situations that I did. It's not only an autobiographical description of the historical process of the Jewish people, but it's also something that teaches us how we, as the followers of Moshe, have to carefully and totally understand the history that they've gone through. And this is something which I often talk about, the absolute necessity of learning the past correctly. Because the past ultimately is not only the foundation of the present and the future, the past in fact becomes the future itself, the behavior, the consequences of the past is something which is visited only in the present and the future. And therefore, by understanding the past, we can understand the developmental stages of what we go through and how we go from point A to point B and what we should expect and how we can defend ourselves against anything that might be negative, that might be destructive in terms of our going forward. Understanding history is not only something of interest to know where we come from, to know where others come from, to know the past, but to understand our own lives. We are the present. We are the future. And in order for us to understand the present and future, we aren't prophets. We can't simply look into the future. But the way that we can understand the future is by understanding the past. Because not only does the past repeat it itself from time to time. It's also the stages from which and by which the present and the future develop and continue. And this is something that we have to explore, the relationship of the vision of Isaiah, the story of uh, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, where he talks to us about the vision of the Third Temple, and of course how to understand all of this within the context of Eilah HaDavarim. These are the words that Moshe said, the fifth book of the Torah that we begin reading this week. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipsker from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the idea of the new book of Devarim, Deuteronomy. We're talking about Shabbos Chazon and the seeming opposing definitions of what Chazon means. On the one hand, it is a time of great sadness and tragedy. And at the same time, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak tells us that this is the vision of the third 
the third Besamikdash that will come with Mashiach. But before that, a word from the marketplace. So those are your choices during the nine days. We're talking about the idea of Eilah HaDvarim. Moshe is talking to us, and he is talking to the Jewish people as they are standing on this side of the Jordan River about to enter the Promised Land. And as we've spoken about in the last few weeks, this was a critical moment in the history of the Jewish people. They are leaving the wilderness they were slaves for many years in Pharaoh. They in Egypt with Pharaoh. They were liberated. The great exodus. They wandered in the wilderness for forty years, and now comes the great moment, the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by God Himself, that the Jewish people are going to enter the promised land. And with it comes, as we have spoken so many times, tremendous change. It's not only a pivotal moment; it is a time of great change in the way the Jewish people have to serve their God in the wilderness. Basically, it was, in a sense, an isolated reality, completely protected by the clouds of glory. Food came from heaven. Water came from the miraculous well of Miriam. It was a mystical, marvelous life. Without any type of effort, the Jewish people could dedicate themselves to the highest levels of spirituality within a safe and protected and miraculous environment. Now they have to come into the promised land. Food will come about as a result of their own efforts. They will have to plow the land. They will have to see the land. They will have to harvest the land. The bread is not going to fall from heaven. It has to be kneaded. It has to be baked. And before one can eat, they have to go through that entire process of growing the wheat and ultimately making the bread. Also as well, they are going into battle for seven years. They are going to battle against enemies who don't want them to come into the promised land. This is going to take an altogether different type of movement on the part of the Jewish people. Up till now, they were men of great spirituality. Now they have to become soldiers and farmers and bakers and whatever else it takes to make a healthy, normal society. And because of that, Moshe knows that it is important for them to understand some fundamental things. And not only to know that they come from a rich heritage and they were given the Torah, but they have to understand how to implement the Torah in a practical way in their daily lives, in every single aspect of their being. And this is why Moshe says, I'm going to tell you all about this, not only from a historical perspective, but from my historical perspective as I saw it. And not only that, but this is the 40th year, and our sages tell us that with 40 comes new wisdom, new insight, that a person begins to understand the teachings of his master only after 40 years of development and understanding. The comprehension that comes after 40 years is at an altogether different level. And the same thing with Moshe. Moshe, of course, is the one who communicated with God daily. He speaks to God. He receives the Torah. He liberates the people. There is no one as great as Moshe. Can you imagine what happens when Moshe goes through the experience of 40 years and begins to understand the Torah from an entirely different perspective as well, and he wants to share that with the people. And sharing that means telling them precisely how things will work, what they have to do in order to ensure that their entry into the land will be one that is strong, and that their protection of the land, the fact that they have to sustain themselves and they have to endure and protect the land, and how they should go about doing that. It's not only becoming soldiers and farmers and defending your land and occupying your land and working your land. It's not only that. It is something entirely different because the holy land is altogether different 
than any other land. It is a land that is imbued with God's greatness and holiness, and therefore it has to be treated differently, and the behavior of people upon the land has to be different as well. And this is what Marsha is going to tell them. He's going to tell them how to enter the land and to retain the passion, the excitement, the love for the land, and to make sure that they are able to pass it on from generation to generation. That's what the Torah says. Eila hadavorim. These are the words. It doesn't say that Moshe simply spoke to the people. He said, these are the words emphasizing that something extraordinary is now going to be communicated. Of course, throughout Torah, Moshe speaks to the Jewish people, and every time he speaks to them on behalf of God, he speaks to them about something which is important and extraordinary. But it takes on a different dimension. Moshe says, I am going to tell you how I felt about it and what, in fact, was taking place within my mind, heart, and soul, so that you can understand what, in fact, you have to do when you go into the land and you take possession of the land and you begin to occupy it correctly and properly. And how does he begin? He tells us something which is rather disturbing. He tells us that there came a moment in time that your constant, your constant harassing me was something that I could no longer handle on my own. Moshe is telling us, here is Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe the great Moshe, the great leader. And he tells us how hurt he was by the behavior of the people. He says, the way you tired me as a result of your constant bickering and fighting and negativity. And he he says, Rashi tells us something which is quite profound. You know, they would say in the morning, if he didn't come out of... If he left his tent too early, they would say there's something wrong in his family life that he can't be at home. He has to leave early. And if he stayed in his tent for any length of time, they would say, what is he sitting there and plotting new ideas of how to make our lives more difficult? No matter what he did, they found something wrong. And Moshe tells us this is something which exhausted him. It is something which exhausted him not only physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It exhausted his role of leadership. A leader is someone who leads with tremendous love, concern, dedication, compassion, defending the people at every turn as he did. But leadership has to be appreciated. Leadership has to be respected. Leadership, in turn, has to be loved and protected. When we see leaders who, in turn, love us, take care of us, and in fact lead us. We have to respond by being individuals who not only appreciate and have the benefits of that type of leadership, but respond with tremendous love toward the leader and toward the leadership as well. And this is what Moshe says, I could no longer do it on my own, and therefore, with the permission of God, we had to appoint individuals who would act as judges, Lesser judges, greater judges, lesser courts, greater courts, etc., etc. And the very first thing that Moshe tells us is that by protecting the judiciary, making sure that it remains integral, that they judge without fear or favor, they are individuals who show no bias to anyone, everyone is equal in the eyes of the Torah justice system, that's how they are going to retain a healthy society. He says you're going into a new world. And in order for you to have a new world, you have to realize that there is something fundamental and basic that you have to take care of. And that is 
the justice of the land and those individuals who have been chosen or appointed to in fact be the trustees, the protectors of the justice, the judges who will rule in times of conflict, in times of difficulty, and to show individuals what in fact is the right way. And he says this is the very first thing you have to remember. You have to remember that justice based upon Torah justice and judges who are based upon a Torah life and lifestyle are individuals who will guide you. I couldn't do it on my own. I had to appoint those judges, and now those judges are going to occupy a position of tremendous, tremendous importance. And they're not there to simply impose their will upon you. They are the ones who will protect the integrity the sanctity of a healthy society. And if you don't protect the judicial system correctly and totally, you will see failure. We jump across to the Haftarah, Chazon, the vision of Yeshayahu. What does he say at the end? He says, Tzion b'mishpat tipade. Tzion will be redeemed by justice as well. In other words, justice is so fundamental to the very fiber of the people living in the land. It is so fundamental to the development and the continuity of a healthy society that if you tamper with it, if you no longer respect the judicial system, if the judges themselves no longer understand the type of trusteeship that was given to them and how they have to behave in a way which indicates a tremendous recognition of a higher authority, a tremendous recognition of integrity and morality of judges themselves no longer judge correctly, that society will fail. This is the very first message. The very first message Moshe tells us is, first of all, how hurt he was, in a sense, at the, well, lack of respect, the lack of appreciation, and not in its simple sense. Moshe was not a person who wanted to be appreciated, but Moshe said to himself, can you not see by constantly bickering, by constantly showing your negative side, you are creating a situation of great negativity and great, great potential for loss and destruction. And this is something which is important to understand. And then he begins to talk about the love of the land. He talks about how important it is to recognize that this is the land that God gave you. This is the land that God is going to help you occupy. This is the land which is altogether different. And you have to at all times retain that love and the passion for the land, not only for the judges, not only for the leadership, not only for those individuals who take care of you, who show you the way, who direct you, through the sometimes puzzling and challenging paths of life, but you have to have respect for the land as well in an altogether different way. You have to understand the essential spirituality of the land. It is Eretz HaKodesh. It is a holy land. The very sand, the very earth, the very soil of the land contains within it a holiness that no other land has. And this is why, as I said before, it has to be treated with tremendous delicacy and respect the land itself, the environment, the atmosphere of the land. 
the people upon the land. This is something which is so basic, something which is so necessary for us to understand. Moshe is telling the people, it's not only going in and battling against the enemy and developing the land and creating a huge, wonderful economy. It's not only that. It goes far beyond that. It goes far beyond that in terms of instilling within the people who live upon that land a tremendous sense of respect for justice, a respect for God, living a godly life. Yes, you will be involved, says Moshe, in the physical reality of developing a land. And it's no easy task to develop a land, whether through agriculture as farmers or whether in the modern day through business entrepreneurship, etc., etc. But it takes a tremendous dedication to values that are eternal, values that are based upon the laws of Torah, values that are based upon the rulings of the judges who themselves are individuals who are inspired by Torah and the Word of God. This is how the Vorim begins, and this is why it's no coincidence that the Vorim is always read before Tisha B'Av when we unfortunately have to remember and recall with pain and sadness and deep, deep grief the loss of the temple, the loss of the land, the exile of the people, etc., etc. It brings to mind what, in fact, this is all about. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipsker from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about Devarim, we're talking about the words, the passionate words of Moshe that he shares with the people prior to entering the land how they should, in fact, behave, protecting the judiciary, protecting the law, remembering the mitzvot, and how to ensure that they retain their love, their tremendous passion for the land as well. We're talking about Chazon Yeshayahu, we're talking about Shabbos Chazon, the Shabbos of the vision, the vision of Yeshayahu. And what does he say to the people? He speaks to the people with very harsh language. He tells them even an animal understands the master who feeds him and appreciates the hand that feeds him, and yet you show no such appreciation to God. He refers to him them as Katsine Saddam, the leaders who behave the same way as the terrible sinners of Sodom. He says, does God really need your well, offering, sacrifices, you bring them not with a full heart. You do it by rote. You do it because, well, that's what's required of you. But the excitement, the passion, the life, the spirituality, the highest is gone. Is this what, this is what it's all about? And he tells them that you will see the holy city of Jerusalem becoming desolate. It'll be like an empty field, like a hut that is used. Well, and then forgotten in an empty field, it will become barren and empty and lonely and cold. Talks about destruction. And the reason that he talks to them, as I mentioned earlier on, is because although this is a time that the Jewish people are living quite comfortably and quite safely and quite securely, and, well, their country is within the forefront of the countries of the world, and yet Yeshayahu says, I see something in the future that will come about as a result of your indifferent and bad behavior today. You have allowed physical, material things to overwhelm your lives. They have become the single most important aspect of your lives. And because of that, by the very nature of your behavior, by forgetting 
what Moshe told us, that it is a holy land that has to be protected. It has to be cherished. It is delicate and therefore has to be handled very carefully. You have forgotten that message. You have forgotten that message of what makes this land special. And this is why he tells the people they will lose the land, that the temple will be destroyed. The people will be sent into exile. And he talks to them in very harsh language. He speaks to them with tremendous, tremendous pain. Yeshayahu, as I said before, he is a prophet of redemption. He is a prophet that speaks about, well, the great glory that is to come. And yet, he is chosen as the Haftarah for the Shabbos Chazon that ushers in Tisha B'Av because his words ring so true in our ears while we live in comfort, while we live in safety and security and our lives become materialistic and the spiritual dimension is there only by the mere fact that, well, that's what happens, that's the custom. We do it by rote. We do it without excitement or passion we tend to forget what it's all about, and we begin to lose, first of all, the spirituality of our lives and our land, and then the land itself. And this is something that brings to mind what, in fact, Tisha B'Av is all about, destruction of the temple. Destruction of the temple is no simple matter, exile of the people. The temple is destroyed, the house of God, where the Jewish people brought sacrifices, the center of Jewish life, the center of the Holy Land. We talk about Tisha B'Av, and we go through the experience of pain, of grief, of mourning, of suffering, understanding that we have lost something incredibly, well, special. And yet, somehow... At the same time, while we go through that experience, and we're obligated to go through that experience, we listen to the words of Rebbe Levi Yitzhak Abarditchev, who says that Chazon Yeshayahu, Chazon Shabbos Chazon, is that each and every single Jew is shown a vision, an image, a view of the third temple. And the question is, how can we reconcile these two visions? And while, of course, the answer can be complicated, and in a sense it is. In truth, it's a very simple answer. And that is the maturity, the ability, the greatness of an individual to look beyond the immediate situation and to see what in fact will ultimately happen. And that is a great gift. It comes with effort. It's not something which comes easily. It's not something which, well, we wake up one morning and decide we're going to be positive and look at life positively. No, that's not the way it works. Even if we look at life positively, that's not really what it's all about. What it's all about is to recognize the essence of something, to somehow strip away the outer layers that appear, the reality that we experience, and look for the essence rather than the, well, the illusion of the reality that we're experiencing right now. It's like a child being denied something, shouts and screams and carries on, only later understands that, yes, it's for the best. It's something which was there to help that child mature and grow and understand discipline and how to understand respect and how to understand values and how to understand things that are dangerous and things that are not productive and positive, things that are negative. It takes time, it takes effort, but it is possible for each and every one of us to see the third temple. You know, we talk about anima, I mean, I believe with absolute faith in the coming of Mashiach. Even though he tarries, he takes his time. Our faith, our patience is constantly being tested. Yes, but at the same time, we continue to say anima, I mean, with absolute faith, with absolute devotion and compassion and 
passion and it's something which is so important for us to understand never to lose sight of the reality that is contained within the reality that appears yes it might sound like fancy words but it's not if a person only responds to the immediate yes that might be some type of life but it's not a complete life it's not a full life it's not a life which indicates a tremendous sense of awareness of what in fact the essence of life is all about and this is what Rabbi is telling us that while we listen to the words of Moshe who tells the people to be so careful how to retain the land while we listen to the painful words of Yeshayahu who talks to us about the impending destruction and while we are preparing on Shabbos Chazon for Tisha B'Av, a day of tremendous pain and sadness. At the same time, we talk about the third temple and the vision of the third temple, which is there, but it takes a keen eye, it takes a developed sense of sight to see it, to understand it, to make it our own, and to live with both realities. On the one hand, the immediate reality of going through the process of mourning, but at the same time to understand the impending redemption and Geula coming with Mashiach and the rebuilding of the temple, and to understand the historical implications, as Moshe tells us, why things happen. What are the consequences of past behavior that brought about the reality of today? And the only way we can change the reality of today is by changing those types of behavior that in the past caused these consequences of suffering and pain and loss and destruction. And this is something which is important for us to understand. We read history not only to know the past intellectually, even emotionally, but it's in order to understand what in fact makes things happen and how certain types of attitudes and behavior result in certain types of conclusions, consequences that we have to live with and how we have to change that type of behavior in order to bring about the different consequences. And we do so by understanding the vision on the one hand of Yeshayahu, of destruction and despair, but at the same time we listen to the words of the great Hasidic sage, Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Bardichev, who talks to us and taught us the idea of seeing the great vision beyond the hope, the faith, the glory, the ultimate redemption. And this is why when you're in shul this Shabbos, it's a special Shabbos, and various shuls have different customs, how to commemorate the Shabbos. Some do so with the suggestion of sadness, the type of songs they sing, etc., etc. Others on Shabbos don't show any type of outward mourning, but the fact is it's a special Shabbos. It's a special Shabbos that we have to hone our senses on the one hand to feel the loss, to feel the destruction, to feel the sadness and at the same time to have that burning, powerful hope, that faith, that strength of knowledge that we see the third temple. And this is what we aim for. And this is why the Shabbos, listen carefully, listen carefully to the words of Moshe and the Parsha. He speaks in his words. He is sharing his life with us. He is bearing his soul to us. He is teaching us about his leadership so that we can be followers of greatness as well. And at the same time, listen to the words of Yeshayahu, listen to the words in the Haftarah that are quite severe, but at the same time to remember the words of Rabbi Levitzek of that we are shown the third temple as well. Good Shabbos.